Hello everyone, I'm Corey and we're Talking Manpower. Today, I'm with Ms. Barbara Guy. She's the Chief of Civilian Career Proponency Division, Assistant Deputy Chief of Staff G1 for Civilian Personnel, and her office is located at Fort Belvoir, Virginia. Ms. Guy, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Corey. It's a pleasure to be here. So could you explain to me your role and responsibilities as the Chief of the Civilian Career Proponency Office? Sure. We actually have um, quite a variety of responsibilities. Um, we're responsible for the policy and guidance for all 31 career programs overarching um, in support of ASA and RA. Um, we also are um, have oversight of the ACTA's intern program, the policy piece and the resourcing piece as well. Um, career programs 10, 50, and 51 report directly to us. That is um, HR and military personnel and um, general administration and miscellaneous. Um, those three career programs and that and we also are responsible for career program policy um, that is the direct update and revision of AR 690-950 um, career program management um, regulation and then any other um, OSD or interface that's required on the functional community side we're responsible for that as well so why why is this role so crucial this role is very crucial because it supports the Army civilian who supports the soldier. And Army civilians provide that continuity and technical support that's needed to achieve Army readiness. And um, prior to the establishment of this division, which now is about three years old, um, there was no centralized focused support in this effort. Um, so decentralization caused the fact that it was very um, not consistent. It was very uh, sporadic, if you will. Um, so there was no focused effort to support the Army civilian, and that's why I think this is very important. And so you're kind of just providing that focal point that everyone can kind of lean off and, and trying to be like the guy holding the light in the fog kind of thing, and everyone's kind of following behind, so right. to speak. Right, the shepherd, yes. So I understand that, and you've just said, you know, you're involved in CP10, CP50, CP51, creating policy, you know, kind of as that umbrella of all the career programs. So what upcoming missions and initiatives is your office currently working on? Okay, well currently um, what I consider actually the most important right now that we're working is the establishment of career program metrics because heretofore, like I just said, the, the division is only three years old and this thought or this uh, this concept of centralized focus on career program management um, is just as new as that. So that being said, there is no, up to now, there was no centralized system of requirements for performance for a career program. What that means is we have 31 career programs and they're each uniquely operating and they operate um, very well, but there's no synchronization. So when we look at, um, important things such as uh, justifying resources, um, whether or not we're structured correctly or appropriately. It's hard to assess that when you've got 31 communities operating uniquely and independently and in and, and different various modes of operation. So what we wanted to do, now that we have a updated regulation as of November 2016, we wanted to use that regulation and define baseline standards, no more than say seven or eight at the most. Um, 
that would define for a career program that these are the standard requirements of your performance that you have to do as a career program. Meanwhile, maintaining the flexibility and uniqueness that each one of them have and doing how they want and reflecting their FCR's vision and everything, all of that still stays in place. However, there is a baseline because, for example, in the AR it says you will have an act test plan. Well, do you have an act test plan? Yes or no? Has it been updated in a year? Yes or no? Um, just that type of stuff to help every career program have that basic sense of measurement. And the, in, uh, um, the idea behind that is not to indict any career program to say, well, okay, career program XX, you're awful. You failed everything. That is not the intent of this. Intent of this is to say, across the spectrum on a requirement baseline, if you're red or you're failing, then maybe there's an issue behind that. And that's what we want to look into is the issue that you're not resourced appropriately, is the issue that um, you're not trained appropriately, you're hiring the wrong type of people for your career program proponency office. Maybe you're ha hiring professionals in your functional community, but they don't know how to manage a program. I mean, there are a whole lot of ways to look at it. So that's what we hope the metrics will provide us with that yardstick and that assessment tool. Yeah, it definitely seems like a very complicated process because you have things that are so unique like aviation is completely unrelated to installation management right. but yet you still have to have some sort of guiding principles of you know you still have to have these four or five following documents and then after that everything can be kind of unique with your own training plans and those kind of things yes so then why is it important to raise the awareness and you know again the importance of the u.s army civilian corps well I guess as I kind of stated before about armies being, I mean, civilians being the continuity um, and providing that consistent support to the soldier, that's why I see it as being um, very critical um, that we do that because without providing the civilian with um, some type of functional perspective about what's expected of them, how they can continue to do better. It's not always about promotion so much as it is just being the best you you can be. If you wanna be a GS-11 from now till the year 2025, that's fine, that's fine. But we owe you, we Army owe you the, the commitment to make sure that you're relevant, to make sure that you're trained well, to make sure you're up to industry standard. That's our job. That's, and that's what we should do. We should support you that way, and that's why I think it's critical. So we recently spoke to Mr. Ed Emden who, um, from Civilian Workforce Transformation. Do you work closely with him? And, and, and then if you do, how so? Yes, we work closely together in terms of the fact that we both support the same audience. We are both supporting the Army civilians, so yes, we do. Um, we try to stay in touch in terms of the initiative, especially when they're impacting career programs. Um, he, he gets more involved with more command type issues than I do, um, but I like to be aware of them because usually those types of issues do seep into the career program lane at some point. Um, also, when he's dealing with career program issues, we rely heavily on that kind of coordination because um, I'm able to ha actually help interpret or to help uh, publish his requirements or solicit information for him on behalf of a career program proponency role. So it kind of helps for us to be good partners. So it's like similar mission, different sides of the coin, but a lot of, of cross-coordination to ensure that we get a whole 360 
view of the army civilian as they as they grow up and develop. Yes. Very well put. Yes. So I know a little bit about your background. I know you've been to Germany. You've worked at AMC, and I know that you used to work here in the CP26 Proponency Office. Um, so how have those positions helped prepare you for such an important leadership position as, 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 as your current one? Um, well, I think it helped prepare me because those various locations each bring a different perspective. So when you're overseas, you have that OCONUS experience. When I was at a command, I had the command experience. At headquarters, you have a headquarters experience. And all of those experiences and perspectives kind of weave together to help broaden your perspective as a leader. Um, and I think sometimes, sometimes, I think um, leadership suffers from lack of broadening, lack of um, the other perspective. If you ever, you've never been outside headquarters, you don't know what it's like to be at a command level. You don't know what it's like to work for a commander in addition to headquarters, because that's a different perspective. And, and I think it's important that you um, have some, some uh, knowledge of that. I, I think it helps you cultivate you as a leader. Yeah, because I've, I've heard a lot of other people speak about, you know, you know, definitely at a headquarters level, all oh, the commands don't understand what we're doing, the commands don't understand it. And then you get to talk to people at the commands and they go, well, we don't understand what headquarters, we don't understand what headquarters is trying to do. So right. for someone like yourself, you know, who's even been overseas and worked in all these different things, I can imagine how, how much it opens up your aperture and your purview and, and you can really go, okay, I can, I can understand both perspectives here, but we're going to try to find a way to find a balance between the two where we can move on from there. So has having, um, is it, is having manpower force management experience, has it been very helpful for you in your current position? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think manpower and force management experience actually as an intern um, and also as a, as a professional also, um, I had to really hone my analytical skills because manpower and force management analysts don't just look at something and say, okay, well, this is the way it is and we just keep marching and what does the regulation say and we just keep going. We always ask why. And we always ask, is this the optimal way to do this? And we always look for that solution. And that's the kind of mindset I've had um, as a manpower force management professional. And I bring it into my current position today because I think that is very important. And that's one of the things I think as an analyst um, is very, very valuable that we get as we're trained in that, in that profession. So what career advice do you have for an Army civilian who's, who's looking to grow and develop their career? Uh, well, I would, say, um, I would say that you need to continue to be open to new experiences. Don't box yourself into just one. Don't become complacent. Always um, look for what's new and what's different and, what, and challenge yourself. And, and, and don't... Um, don't be afraid to challenge yourself because sometimes I find that, especially in the manpower field, you know, it's we're trained a certain way to do certain things. And then a lot of times, um, then when we get to the higher grades, let's say we get to 13, 14 level, we start trying to feel, we feel kind of insufficient in terms of being able to broaden out like into some other areas. But I say, don't do that. Push the button, push the envelope. There is nothing out here that you can't understand or you can't learn. Um, given the opportunity. So don't box yourself into any one 
area and say, well, that's all I know, that's all I can do. Oh, no, 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 absolutely not. As long as you, like I said, have that analytical brain and you can ask why and you can figure out, you can do anything. And, and that's one thing I would say. And also, if you can, be open to mobility. If you can, I know some people don't have that that option, but if at all possible, it doesn't even have to be geographical um, mobility. If it could be, that's wonderful because it does give you a better perspective. You know, move around. But if you can't, then move around within where you are. If you're working at you know Fort Sam, then you know move. Go from the manpower shop. Go over to the budget shop. Go over to the you know just G1. You know, get some varied experiences because we all inter interrelate. You know, and we have to get out of this stovepipe thinking that, well, I'm a comptroller and that's what I do and that's what I am and that's all I know. No, a comptroller could easily ascend into an HR role. There are aspects of what you do that they don't have and vice versa. And there's aspects of what they do that we don't have. And I think we can pollinate that way, cross-pollinate. Yeah, because CP10, um, CP11, and CP26 are all resource managers. Because mm -hmm. without them, you never fill out an SF50. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Miss Guy, that's all the questions I have. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I, um, I'd just like to add that um, I'd like uh, our population to be aware of the fact that there is an office that exists in my division that's full of very competent, very dedicated professionals who are really working really hard to make sure that the Army civilian is predominant and is not forgotten and is relevant. Um, in all the communications that go on up here at headquarters. Sometimes that's not the I mean, sometimes that's not the case. We all know that. But we try really hard to keep us on the forefront and to make sure that you're ready and you're, you're relevant and prepared to do whatever Army missions require. Well, Ms. Guy, thank you for everything that you do for Army civilians on a daily basis. I know I appreciate it. I know a lot of the other civilians that I talk about appreciate it. Um, and I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. But thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Corey. It's been my pleasure. So that's all we have time for right now. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until next time, have a great Army Day.